Good afternoon and thanks for joining the MoneyWeb at Midday Show. My name is Inge Lampracht and in today's show we take a look at APSA's interim results. This is the banking group's first set of numbers after separating from Barclays PLC and rebranding as APSA. The past six months has been a tough period for the South African economy and has weighed on performance. APSA's revenue grew 3% to 37 billion rand over the period, while headline earnings rose 3%, this after stripping out the impact of the separation from Barclays. Without normalizing for this impact, headline earnings per share fell 4%. Shareholders will receive an interim dividend of 4 rand 90 per share, up 3% from the prior period. The share price currently trading 2.5% lower on 167 rand. This show is brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, leaders in business. APSA's financial director, Jason Quinn, joins us now. Jason, thanks for your time this afternoon and welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Um, the South African economy really struggled during the first few months of this year. And then there was also APSA separation from Barclays, which resulted in several hundred million rand in separation costs. Not an easy environment to do business in, I'm sure. Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, it certainly is pretty tough out there. Um, and so if you look at the first quarter of GDP, it was down just over 2%. And we think it will finish this year up slightly. We think up 1.2%. Uh, notwithstanding that, though, uh, our company has been able to generate some growth, as you've seen in the revenues that you, you, you referred to just now, up 3%, and our earnings up 3% as well. And so we are... Uh, you know, seeking to actively uh, meet our clients' needs with respect to the transactions they may enter into. Uh, we're very pleased with our growth in our retail bank, uh, particularly in the last uh, quarter of last year, right through into the first half of this year, where the momentum in our lending businesses uh, for mortgages and, and vehicle and asset finance has improved quite significantly. So, um, yeah, lots on the go, but, but certainly some progress. Jason, you referred to the Retail and Business Bank. Looking at the performance of the various segments, the Retail and Business Banking um, segment, your operations in the rest of Africa and the wealth and investment management businesses, these businesses all reporting single-digit headline earnings growth, with the exception of the Corporate and Investment Bank, whose earnings declined 6% to one. 0.7 billion. This is mainly as a result of a significant rise in credit impairments due to what you refer to as, I quote, a large single name exposure. I assume you're talking about sign-off related impairments. Um, no, uh, I, I can't give the name, but I can confirm it's not uh, it's not sign-off. Um, and like we said, that was a, a single charge that we took in that business. The rest of that business we thought did fairly well. Its revenues were up quite nicely, uh, up about 5%. In corporate revenues were up 10%. Um, but we did experience that, that charge that you mentioned in the first half. Your retail and business banking unit coming back to that, um, which recently saw some management changes and retrenchments, grade line earnings 4% to $4.2 billion. It was hard to miss the rebranding exercise over the past month, but rebranding in itself is probably not going to draw significant numbers of new clients. How do you plan on growing your retail and business bank going forward? Well, I think in the first instance, uh, what we've done, as you say, is reorganize and reset that leadership team uh, to be geared for growth and to be geared for customer service. In other words, to make sure that our decision makers are much closer to customers than what we might have had in the past. That's the first step. Um, I'll, I'll also just remind you of the comments I made earlier around 
the businesses that we've seen great growth in with respect to momentum uh, in our lending businesses. So uh, mortgages, vehicle and asset finance, personal lending, cards, all up uh, from a lending perspective. And that's been that's been pretty good given the tough, tough macro, macro backdrop we both, uh, we both mentioned just now. Look, at the end of the day, I think we've still got a lot to do in our retail franchise. Uh, it's a business that we, we have big aspirations in to regain our leadership position in over time. Uh, branding is part of that. Uh, you know, being there when the customers need us is, is being part of that. But what's also part of that for us is making sure that we build a sustainable business. And um, so customer service and the like still has further work, uh, further investments from our side uh, to make sure we improve our, our position there. Jason, um, just looking at the accounting for a moment, IFRS 9 was introduced in January this year. I don't want to go into too much technical detail, but is it possible for you to explain in simple terms what this meant for reporting in the interim period and how it impacted your numbers without putting us to sleep? Tough ask, I know. <laughs> well, I'll certainly do my best. And uh, IFRS 9 is a very complicated and uh, it's a pretty unique standard in that it, it uses a lot of very specific terminology, which I won't go into. But in essence, what happened there uh, is that on the 1st of January, we implemented it. as a program we worked on for about three years to, to get ready for. You know, it doesn't change anything with respect to our lending practices or our lending profile or our customer experience. It also doesn't change materially how we hope to collect uh, from customers when they're, when they're experiencing distress. So we always want to treat our customers fairly during those processes that they go through. What it really does, though, it just means that we've got bigger provisions against our loans that are in distress. And to get there on the 1st of January, we took a, a, a charge to equity. So in other words, it didn't go through this year's earnings, but we increased our coverage or our loan provisions by about 6 billion rand uh, from uh, 23 to about 29 billion rand. You know, it didn't change much in the half with respect to the half loan losses, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, IFRS 9 only really makes big volatile movements when you move between these stages of delinquency. And we collected fairly well in the first half. Uh, our customers, uh, you know, were, 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 despite the distress out there, were honoring their obligations to us in a better way than they did in the, in, the, in the sort of first half of last year. So at the end of the day, I think there may be further effects of IFRS 9 in future periods, maybe when economic factors change materially. I think you'll see a bit more volatility. But in this half, the big feature was we've got bigger provisions against our, our risky customers. Um, we took that through equity and we, we continue to collect well. Jason, looking at the period ahead, um, APSA announced some bold new targets earlier this year, one of which was to double your share of banking revenues from the continent to 12%. Where is this growth going to come from? Well, I think, look, there's lots of opportunity for us to grow the business we, grow the businesses we already operate. So I think we just covered retail and business banking in South Africa. There's so much more we can do there to regain our leadership position, and I think we've started to see the green sheets of that country. Um, similarly, corporate and investment banking, you know, we're, we're pretty underweight corporate and investment banking relative to the others. We've been able to show pretty good growth in corporate, pretty good lending growth, and we need to translate that now to more transactional revenues and these types of things with our customers. And then we're in a dozen countries, you know, we're in, in, in 12 markets across the continent. Uh, we, we see very strong growth opportunities in those markets that we are in. Uh, Ghana, Kenya, Zambia, Botswana, uh, Mauritius would be the ones I'd, I'd call out as the ones that are most attractive in the near term. But that's not to say the others aren't attractive, they're just a little bit smaller. So, no, I think we're quite excited about this new ambition. Jason, then just lastly, there's a lot of new competitors entering the retail banking space. Bank Zero and Discovery are just two names that come to mind. Is APSA doing enough 
enough to disrupt itself to be in a position to compete with new and upcoming banks? Well, look, these disruptors have been well flagged. Uh, you know, we've seen them coming. We've also seen a lot more innovation from us. So uh, lately, in other words, last week we launched WhatsApp banking, which is an amazing thing. I think, you know, I hope all our customers move on to it because it really enables you to interact with us on WhatsApp and move money around, pay transactions and the like on WhatsApp, which is incredibly safe, but also a very convenient way to operate. So we need to differentiate ourselves. We're not going to be able to compete with not only the existing competitors or the new ones by staying the same, and we've recognized that. So for the last while, we've been investing pretty heavily in, in these new digital channels. We've also been investing heavily in our in our rewards programs. You know, So uh, Absa Rewards today pays out a significant amount of value to customers in cash, real cash that you can access on your current account. So there's none of these points that you accumulate that you then battle to uh, redeem at other places. Uh, so I think things like that, I think, will put us in good position, not only to compete, but, uh, but to do pretty well. Thanks so much for your time, Jason. That was APSA's financial director, Jason Quinn. Our market commentator this afternoon, David Shapiro of Sasfin. Uh, welcome, David. Pleasure. That was an interesting conversation. <laughs> David, your views on APSA's interim results? Well, poor old Jason, what can they do? You know, in, in an economy that's hardly growing, that's uh, going backwards, you know, backwards in terms of uh, the rest of the world. It's very, very difficult, no matter how hard you try to extract uh, decent growth. And all they've got to do is keep a steady operation, you know, watch their costs and try to fend off competition. But, uh, yeah, it's disappointing. Uh, and uh, But I don't think you can point fingers. There might be... Uh, analysts might be able to break down the figures in greater detail than I have. I'm just, uh, you know, observe it from the outside. I just look at the results and uh, compare it with where the share price is trading at the moment. So it's it's not expensive by historical standards. Uh, share is trading what is a maybe a 10 uh, PE, but you know if you're only going to grow at two or three percent, of course then it's uh, fairly valued. So, uh, but it's it's a very very tough, and I think sometimes we're a little hard on businesses here, um, you know, trying to extract as much as they can in 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 difficult circumstances. So I think you have to look at the global economy to to you know to really judge um, how companies are doing. Dave, or when I say global economy, you have to look at our own economy to, you know, to, to judge how these businesses can do. They can't, you know, if people are not earning money, if they're not increasing their um, their income, if they're not, uh, if the country is not expanding, it's very difficult to have a service organisation like a bank, you know, prosper in that kind of backdrop against that backdrop. Yeah, David, I want to go back to that um, earnings decline of 6% uh, in the corporate and investment bank uh, to 1.7 billion, mm-hmm. largely as a result of a large single name exposure. Jason, yeah. Jason Quinn <laughs> not wanting to yeah. say who it is. Uh, I, thought, uh, I thought it was Steinoff, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, let me hear your views. I, I haven't got views. I'm trying to work that out as my, you know, myself. And, uh, you know, we would have come to the conclusion, but I think that, uh, you know, there are a lot of other failures that maybe we know nothing about. We always jump to the public sector as well. You know, we look for public companies. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, reading comments, I can't find, uh, um, or certainly the media hasn't exposed any major falls. So just think quieter than that. I'm sure it'll, something will twig there, but, Trying to call back on, you know, trying to uh, think of some of the headlines that we've seen and who's lost out. Uh, very, very difficult, whether it's in a construction company, you know, whether it's uh, someone exposed to 
to that side of the business, I'm not too sure. Yeah. But it, it is a reflection again of 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 what we're seeing in the uh, in corporate South Africa. So yeah. very very difficult. We'll dig. Let's um, we'll dig a little deeper since it's not Steinoff. It's very easy just to fall back on Steinoff. Well, I mean, technically, you can also say, mm. and we know so Marcus, Eustace, Mayfair, spec- speculators collectively mm. owed Sunlam Investec and APSA over a, over a billion rand. But yeah. let's leave the speculation at that. A uh, report out from Shenet this morning arguing that um, APSA's results is a mixed set of results. Uh, analyst Stephen Moritz saying analysts continue to favor other banks like Standard Bank and First mm. Rand ahead of mm. APSA and that the recent segregation from Barclays will take time to unlock value. Do you agree? I think I think so. You know, I mean, it's a big divorce. It's uh, here you had a parent that was uh, a very influential force globally. Uh, when you suddenly cut off those ties, it does take a bit of adjustment. Um, so I, I imagine they're going to have to kind of redirect the bank or reposition the bank. And uh, of course, uh, you lose a lot of uh, you lose not only staff, but you also lose a lot of intellectual input as, as well so yeah it's 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 not going to be easy do you, who do you favor standard bank um first ran barclays as you mentioned a lot more competition coming in you don't know where they're going to be and what uh you know we're still trying to work out where discovery's um edge is going to be so on and there, there's a lot of competition in the space to be honest i just take a back you know i'm i'm uh taking a step backwards and being very reluctant, have very limited exposure to the entire sector, uh, even though it's done reasonably well. And that includes the the assurance sector where they're selling financial products. It's very tough. And we can see it in our own business, how hard it is. So most most of the influence or um, you know most of our direction is looking for overseas markets for some kind of growth and trying to attract you know get clients to invest there where they're going to get better growth but it's it's really tough so we're trying to extract juice out of nothing and kind of really Mm. hammering to to get as much growth as we can out of nothing David, then just looking at the markets mm. more broadly, the JSE starting the week on a red note, all major mm. indices down at the moment. Why the negative sentiment? Apparently a certain rugby referee angered Lions supporters over the weekend, but I assume it's not because of that. No, <laughs> no. What there was a lot of anger sports-wise where the Lions lost and yesterday they didn't broadcast out the, uh, what is called the immune shield so everybody's crossed from a sporting point of view the cricketers won it's okay but it, it's um it's all around uh trump you know and trade wars i think there's so much uncertainty in the market now and you can't price it no one's quite sure where this is all leading and the rhetoric keeps getting stepped up uh thank goodness for the u.s markets and some of the corporate results we're getting out there that steady things but uh not only do you have to contend with uh, you know issues about um, about a trade war and trump at every opportunity and i think he has got a decent way of doing things you know Instead of sitting down and addressing issues which need to be addressed, he comes across very belligerent and warlike. So that 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 upsets investors. And then you've got a Brexit which is getting messy as well. You know, no one quite sure what this is going to be and so on. So in that in that kind of atmosphere, we're going to continue to see one day screeching upwards and then the next day reversing and uh, and plunging. So after Friday's one point 
I don't know what we're up 1.2 percent today. We're down another, you know, another half percent. We've read across the screen. So if we're punch drunk and schizophrenic, um, you've got to understand. Thanks so much for joining us, David. That was David Shapiro from Sasfin. This show was brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, leaders in business. Numbers rule the world. Inflation, interest rates, petrol price. And when numbers change, you need to know how to respond, especially when it comes to business. Partner with a chartered accountant and get far more than a numbers person. A CASA is equipped with holistic business acumen and decision-making expertise when evaluating your business's future growth. Partner with a responsible leader in business. Partner with a CASA today. Go to saika.co.za. And that's it for me. Thanks for joining MoneyWeb at Midday. 